Good morning, Pittsburgh Panthers insider. 93.7 The Fan. We're live from the Big Apple in New York City. I'm at the Hilton Midtown, right here in Midtown Manhattan. Pitt, Syracuse today. You ask why I'm in New York City. I'm in New York City because the Panthers take on the Syracuse Orange today at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, a 3.30 kickoff. We'll have all the coverage for you starting at 12.30 with the Panther Preview Show. Bob Pompiani, Doran Dickerson, Paul Zeiss. Myself, Larry Richard, will continue pregame festivities at 1.30, and then the great Bill Hillgrove will anchor our coverage with the play-by-play -play duties. I'll be alongside in Yankee Stadium. Unique vantage point today. We'll be calling the game from the end zone, I do believe. Um, so bear with us a little bit. We'll be relying on our, our sideline partners, Doran Dickerson and Larry Richard, for some depth perception throughout the game, but should be a uh, a great day for football. Had a great 24 hours here in New York City. Got here yesterday morning. Uh, went to the top of one Vanderbilt, the new building, which was uh, unbelievable. If you've ever thought of standing on glass, looking down from 92 stories high, um, you can do it there. I recommend it if you get into New York City. And uh, it's a two-year-old building, just built, skyscraper, obviously. You ride an elevator up with flashing lights, and it's like a warp speed elevator to get you to the top, and just a fantastic view of, of Midtown Manhattan. Then went on the Circle Line uh, tour, uh, a boat tour of, uh, of the city, went out to the Statue of Liberty. I've never done that. So uh, it's been a memorable, memorable trip to New York City. A uh, hundred years in the making, as they say. 1923, Pitt and Syracuse played the first football game at Yankee Stadium in 1923. That game, unfortunately, did not go the Panthers' way. Syracuse winning the matchup 3-0, uh, hoping to get some revenge today at 3.30 here in the Big Apple. A lot to cover today on Panthers Insider. We've got a great program for you. Below to our sports director here at 825, Jeff Hathorne, who called the action last night in Bill Hillgrove's absence. Billy up here in New York with Pitt football. Jeff Hathorne with Curtis Aiken last night on the broadcast calling Pitt versus Binghamton. Another nice victory for Pitt basketball. Another great performance by Bob Carrington and Blake Hinson. Uh, returned to the party with uh, you know, his patented deep three-point shot was absolutely great last night. We were following the game from, from dinner and certainly was a resounding victory over a Binghamton team that is a veteran-laden. Had really uh, given Northwestern a problem in their last uh, last outing, and the Panthers uh, with a stiffer test, obviously, in Binghamton than they had uh, against North Carolina A&T, and they obviously rose to the challenge. They've got another big win. They'll take on Florida Gulf Coast on Monday. We'll talk to Jeff Hathorne, detail the game, get into the performances, scout this team uh, as Pitt basketball really gets underway. Pitt volleyball with a huge win yesterday, a sweep at Georgia Tech. Uh, Panthers took a tough loss last weekend. Uh, against Florida State, but bounce back, still in the thick of it, in a position um, to win the Atlantic Coast Conference, obviously to continue their, uh, their, their surge into the NCAA tournament and hopefully another return trip to the Final Four. They will host Louisville next Saturday, a week from today, at the Peterson Event Center, a 1 o'clock match against Louisville. Obviously a huge game, a huge match two rivals in the Atlantic Coast Conference, two perennial powers in college women's volleyball will match up at the Peterson Event Center at 1 o'clock. Should be a great crowd. Not too late to get your tickets. Go to PittsburghPanthers.com. Go to the ticket page. 
and buy those Pitt volleyball tickets for next Saturday, November 18th. Pitt Louisville, 1 o'clock. Shout out to Pitt women's soccer. They'll be hosting a game today, so when the Panthers conclude their football game, you can turn your attention either to ESPN Plus or get yourself up to Ambrose or Bannock Field as Pitt women's soccer, led by Randy Waldrum, who uh, has had a historic season, a historic run, a program with not a lot of success in their history is just adding to those history books with their their postseason push this year. They'll host Ohio State in, in the NCAA tournament at Ambrose Urbanic Field tonight at 7 o'clock. So get to the pitch, get to Ambrose Urbanic Field, big matchup for Pitt women's soccer. A lot to cover throughout today's show, but I wanted to start with some storytelling. Um, because I know all of you Pitt fans that tune in every week, and I appreciate it. I feel like we've been doing this for a little over a year and a half, and I feel like every time I see somebody, there's there's more people that listen to the show, and I really do appreciate it. We try to bring you all the coverage, get the best guests we can um, to really cover Pitt sports, Pitt athletics in a, in a, a balanced way, to give you perspective on, on opponents, to, to tell stories, um, to, to provide historical perspective. And, and for me... Coming to New York, uh, we got a great group of donors uh, on the trip with us. So we came in yesterday morning. We had a great dinner last night, and everyone told their uh, their stories of of their ties to Pitt and and their memories in New York City. And and one of my biggest regrets, and you know, you can't control timing in life, is that uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to come to the Big East tournament uh, ever during my my time as an athlete. Obviously, we were we were pretty busy. Uh, training for football, going to school, wasn't going to get a chance to hop away and, and head up to uh, to Manhattan to watch the Panther basketball team in the Big East tournament. But to hear memories of, of going to Rosie O'Grady's and and watching Pitt, you know, make a run in the Big East tournament and the pageantry of the Big East tournament, I, you know, to regret that I never got to experience it. However, I, I I do think my experience with New York City, my first experience with New York City. Uh, is a legendary one. Well, I got to I got to go to New York City for the first time with Bill Hillgrove. And speaking of Rosie O'Grady's, which I walked past it yesterday, and I know there's many of you out there with a smile on your face right now because you've been there too. Uh, it's closed. Uh, it's vacant. It's empty. Um, I can remember walking in there, and and there was a seat saved for for Billy, and I know there was a seat saved for Dick Grote, who would have celebrated a birthday last weekend. And we think about his family all the time, but Billy and Dick owned that place, absolutely owned that place. So my first trip to Manhattan was in 2011. We were playing at Rutgers, and uh, we decided to take a train into New York City, and I was with Billy, and you, uh, you would have thought I was with Sinatra. It was unbelievable. Uh, everywhere we went, the spots that he typically frequented, we went to Rosie O'Grady's and we went to Birdland Jazz Bar. And uh, the sax player knew Billy. The, the bartenders at, at Rosie O'Grady's knew Billy. And it was a 3.30 kick the next day, and Billy wasn't in a rush. Let's just put it that way. So I'll never forget that. And when I think of coming to New York, there's probably no one that I know. Um, and Dick Grote would have been right there with him that loved New York more than my partner. So I'll look forward, and I'm going to cherish the opportunity to call this, this game today uh, with the best to ever do it in his 50th season uh, of Pitt football and, and starting, he's in the mid-50s in Pitt basketball and still going strong. And this will be fun. This will be a fun uh, fun atmosphere today uh, to be with Bill at Yankee Stadium, such a historic and iconic venue. Uh, 
Again, we'll be calling the game from the radio booth, but the radio booth in baseball is is not not where it typically would be for football. Uh, and that's one of the interesting parts of this game is the the, the, the juxtaposition and, the, and how the field's set up. It, really, it goes straight out to, to center field. Uh, however, the radio booths are in are behind home plate. So we'll have a well, the bird's eye view, we'll have the all-22 view of this game, which I'm accustomed to, but uh, it, it could make depth perception challenging. Uh, and also interesting that there's two short corners um, in the end zone uh, right right towards you know, the foul line uh, behind the batter's box. So that, that'll be uh, – it's, it's always cool to, to be in a baseball venue in Pitt-Syracuse. Two teams that uh, – and we will preview this game following our segment with Jeff Hathorne. Two teams that desperately need victories – Syracuse started the season 4-0 and uh, has lost five straight. Many of the struggles the Orange have encountered have been paralleled or, or very similar to the Panthers. They've been banged up up front. They've got an inconsistent quarterback play. Uh, we don't know who's going to play quarterback today for Syracuse. I'm going to check the ticker here soon. Garrett Schrader did not play against Boston College last week. Carlos Del Rio Wilson, who we saw last year in Acrisure Stadium, Got the start against BC, which was ultimately a 17-10 loss for Syracuse at the at the Dome. Uh, and he got banged up late in that game. So very uncertain as to what, who's going to be their quarterback. LaQuinn Allen, their tailback, has been uh, their go-to guy. He's been their most consistent offensive player. They're, they're disruptive on defense. They've played solid on defense. So on, on paper, on par, these teams are, are, are very similar. Uh, there's teams that have struggled to score. There are teams that have gotten in their own way a little bit with penalties. Uh, but of late, by far the more explosive team in terms of big plays has been the Panthers. And that's why I give them the edge in this game. And apparently the folks in Vegas feel the same way to some degree. Um, so it would be a very interesting matchup because something's going to have to give. And uh, if you look at Pitt football and, and Nicholas Callis, you know, he, he he said the record in the update, 2-7. and seven. Not, not, I, w- I would not have... Not have thought that would be the case at this point in the season. And, you know, while bowl eligibility is not not on the table for the Panthers, these last three games are, are not only winnable games against teams that the Panthers can beat, but they're games that give you the opportunity with, with so many young players playing, so many guys that will be back next year, to, to salvage some momentum and some positivity towards the end of this season. Um, and carry it into the month of December where obviously there's signing day and, and the transfer portal opens. Um, having some positive mojo and momentum can, can not only help keep your team together, which is a real consideration t- in 2023, but also make you more attractive um, to, to, to players that, that may be looking for a, another place to go. Um, and, and certainly the Panthers will be looking to, to you would think, supplement their roster um, with some seniors departing and, and otherwise, and, and obviously some positions of need. Uh, but most importantly for these young guys that are getting very significant snaps, and these are formative times in their career where they're getting experience, but winning experience is, is ultimately um, better, obviously. Um, you learn from mistakes, but you also grow with success. And that's why you know I'm intrigued to watch the Panthers play today. I've been to practice twice this week. Thought the energy was great. Thought the energy was great. This is a team that 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 knows where it's at, but understands it's got three opportunities left. And it starts today playing Syracuse 
a longtime rival, a protected rival in the ACC. Pitt and Syracuse will play every year along with Virginia Tech and Boston College. That'll be the three fixed games for the Panthers on a yearly basis. Uh, in the new ACC scheduling model, which was made more confusing with the additions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU. But this is this series dates back to 1955. They've played every year. They've played, obviously, in 1923, but every single year since 1955, the Panthers and Orange have met on the gridiron, and there have been ebbs and flows in that process. There was the 90s uh, when Syracuse was at the peak of its power and it was a perennial uh, contender to win the Big East Conference. And lately, the scales have tipped in the Panthers' favor, uh, as the Panthers have been the more consistent, uh, more consistent ball club in the ACC. Uh, but today, both teams not having their best seasons, uh, but looking for a memorable victory um, and making a great, great memory here, making some history in Yankee Stadium. We'll be back on the air at 1:30 uh, with the network pregame, 12:30 Panther preview. Going to talk to Jeff Hathorne next. Go out to the hotline with our sports director at the fan. He called the action uh, on the broadcast for Pitt Binghamton last night. We're going to dig into this Pitt basketball club. They'll be back at the Peterson Event Center Monday play, playing Florida Gulf Coast um, in their third home game of the season. Panthers 2-0. A lot to dig into next with Jeff Hathorne. And then on the backside of that, closing out the show, we will dig deep into the matchups for this Pitt-Syracuse game today at Yankee Stadium. Live from the Big Apple, from the Hilton Midtown, you're listening to Panthers Insider on 93.7 The Fan. Welcome back to Panthers Insider, live from the Hilton Midtown here in Midtown Manhattan. Pitt, Syracuse today, Yankee Stadium 3.30 kickoff. But for now, we go from the gridiron to the hardwood and head out to the hotline with the sports director at 93.7 The Fan, a part of our broadcast team, does a great job doing play-by-play -play duty. The man, the myth, Jeff Hathorne. Jeff, good morning. Morning, Pat. Jeff, you got any Big East tournament memories up here in, in NYC? I, I never got to come up here for that. And I, it's a regret to this day. I never got to come up. It, it always meshed with the time where I, I covered spring training uh, for the station with the Pirates, so I never got to go. And I regret it because Pompiani, for instance, Bob Pompiani, used to take vacation time so he could go and watch the games and watch them all. I mean, it was that awesome. And I would have just like. Uh, maybe one night in Manhattan with with Bill Hillgrove, that would have been fun too. It would have been fun, and, and you know those were some great memories and some great pit teams. Obviously, during that period of time, obviously the Panthers uh, got back to the tournament last year, twenty four wins, and looked to parlay that into a follow up season and are off to a good start. You had a chance to call the game last night, Pitt Binghamton, uh, obviously a Binghamton team that Binghamton team that gave Northwestern a run and. I think had, had Jeff Capel a little bit concerned. What were your overall observations of this team calling them courtside? Yeah, and, you know, this Binghamton team, listen, they're, it's a team they it should beat. But this is not a team that's a doormat in their league to pick fourth. Uh, they've got some talent. They've got a, a kid in Torrance who played at Syracuse for a couple of years and was a top 50 recruit out of high school. Guy can play the game. Um, he had 10 points early. And then Bub Carrington held him to none the last 30. Uh, Carrington with a little help from Ish Leggett. Uh, this, what, is what I like about this Pitt team is, so far, they're beating the teams they should beat, but they can put their foot on the gas. They're up eight at halftime. They come out, first four minutes, all of a sudden they're up 16. And then before you know it, you're kind of doing the math. You're like, wait, they're up 27. 
I, it, it just when they can, they have that gear. Carrington, Henson, and I tell you what, Ish Leggett missed a couple of layups, point blank, but he didn't sulk. It just ticked him off. He ends up with 18 points and 11 rebounds. Yeah, I mean, they could certainly spread it around, and and I think what I wanted to ask you about is this team is averaging eight blocks a game in two games. The length, to me, Jeff, is just different than what they've had in years past. Yeah, and it's kind of like the discussion you have in football about sacks versus pressures. Well, it's not just those block shots. It's all the altered shots, all the ones that are are – throwing a little bit earlier than you shot a little earlier than you wanted to or the arc is a lot higher than you wanted to or you drive into the lane and instead of going for that layup you kick it out that's what you're seeing out of those guys and it, and it's not just Fetty it's not just the twins it's a Zach Austin that's going in there and when he comes from the opposite side he had one that was a goaltending and his head may have been a foot from the rim uh, he came. His athleticism is amazing. The way they can protect the rim, they could be a little bit more solid fundamentally uh, when they get against better teams rebounding because they're just bigger than teams now. Uh, but their aggressiveness, and, and I'll tell you, a, a guy, Pat, that is going to pay off for them, and he's not going to have big stats, but he's going to come in and give him some key minutes is Will Jeffress, and I thought he did that again uh, last night with just some solid rebounding, you know, good screens, all those little things that you need someone to do coming off the bench. Yeah, Henson, excuse me, Austin and Federico with three blocks apiece, and Zach Austin can flat out fly. Talking to Jeff Hathorne, sports director at 93.7 The Fan, and pinch hits for us a lot uh, when Mr. Hillgrove's got uh, split duty and does a great job with play-by-play duty, not only for Pitt football but for Pitt basketball as well. I wanted to ask you about Blake Henson because he, he got off to an 0-4 start from from beyond the arc last night and then just caught fire. Uh, what do you, you think is different about him um, as a player uh, in 2023? Uh, because, again, from what I saw from, from, from my phone, uh, a, a lot looks the same from beyond the arc. That looks the same, uh, but it's what he's lost. It's the 15 to 20 pounds that he's lost. And you, you could see it a little. And, again, it, it's a couple of opponents they should have beaten. But you can see it with him defensively and how he's able to move his feet better. He, he looks quicker out on the court. You know, he's able to burst to the basket. You know, so if you come out and overplay the three, he's going to pump fake you and take you to the hoop. And he did, did that a couple of times. He also had a couple of assists doing it that way. That's what I think is different about Blake's game. But, man, when he steps behind the arc, they started that second half. He had three threes. And it was the kind of the Blake threes. You know, one was firmly contested, and it may have gone ten and a quarter feet in the air, but buried right in that rim. It's just when he gets on that roll and the confidence that he brings the rest of the team, I think is another thing. Like when he's in there and he's hitting, you could just see the rest of the team riding that wave. Henson with 26 points to lead all scorers. Pitt beats Binghamton 89-60. So we got to talk about Bub Carrington. And obviously, you don't stumble on a triple-double. Uh, I don't care who you're playing. I didn't realize, Jeff, how uncommon uh, those are. And the Panthers hadn't had one since 1998. Um, and Bub Carrington did it in his first collegiate game. And not, not a bad uh, follow-up. Not a bad follow-up with 18 points and four assists against Binghamton. You know, 
I, I know you don't want to get the hype train going too fast right now, but you got to be impressed with his skill level and poise for just turning 18 years old. So we had a conversation with, I did with Julius Page before the game, and he kind of looked at me and he said, this guy could play with us. That's what you need to know about Bob Carrington. Wow. Like he's he's got the length, he's got uh, he's got great vision, and the game you hear we hear a lot in sports about the game slowing down. It slowed down for him. Like he hasn't needed time for the game to slow down. It's slow. He can he can make these passes. He made a bullet pass uh, down low to to Guillermo. That was I mean. He, he weaved through traffic, and there was a window. There was a tight window, and he fired a perfect pass, and, and he did it off the bounce. Like, it's just it's those type of things that are just, I, I wouldn't say innate, but he's got, this, uh, he's got this knowledge and the talent. Of course, his dad was a high school coach, um, so he, he, he comes in well-versed, and he is, he's different, man. I mean, I, I, I've talked to a couple of former Pitt players that, Say this guy's probably not going to be around long, and uh, let's. See, I, I want to see him against you know some of the power fives, but man, what he's shown so far for a freshman. You said it, Pat. It hasn't happened since two thousand one that a player in their Division One debut had a triple double. Two thousand one. I mean, this kid, and you That's think about long. all the all the athletes that have come through Division One basketball. Um, this, this guy can play. Talking to Jeff Hathorn, sports director at The Fan. Call the game last night with Curtis Aiken. Pitt beats Binghamton at the Peterson Event Center. Okay, so we got Florida Gulf Coast. The Panthers will host them Monday uh, at the Peterson Event Center. Then Jacksonville. And then it's a run of Power 5 schools, as you talk about. Florida, Missouri, a couple SEC foes. Uh, we playing up, obviously, uh, in, in the Barclays Center, just, just down the road here in Brooklyn. Uh, before coming back to the Peterson Event Center and hosting Missouri, Clemson, and then heading down to the Coliseum uh, to face West Virginia. In these next two games, let's call these next two games, which, again, Florida Gulf Coast has good history um, and has, has certainly made a tournament in years past. What do you need to see improve from this team to tell you they're ready for, for Power 5 ball? Yeah, and, and quickly about Florida Gulf Coast. They lost by six at Indiana, and Pat Chambers, the old Penn State head coach, is their head coach like they're they're playing some good ball? I I think they want to be a little bit more consistent with their game. There are times where they lock it down defensively, and then there are times where they're they're a little lax. They're they're allowing backdoor cuts. Their their feet aren't exactly where they need to be. That's something I'm sure Jeff's going to talk about. Uh, you know, get Austin scoring a little bit. I mean, we're nitpicking now. Uh, but those are things. Get Jalen Lowe a little bit more experience because there are times where the game does look a little fast for him when he's out on the court. Not that he doesn't have talent and it's going to be there, but it, you know, just get those experience experiences for those guys because you're going to need those minutes. I love the depth of this team. I think they can come at you. Uh, they can bring sparks off the bench and bring different attributes. You can bring one of the twins out and they could be a scoring option for you, or they could be a defensive option. Will Jeffers can come in. Hewitt comes in. He brings a ton of speed off the bench. So I, I keep developing those options, but I think it's it's the consistency of their overall game, and 
you know, Monday is going to be – it's kind of another step up in a challenge. Uh, and we'll kind of see where Pitt is because like Binghamton in that first half, uh, Florida Gulf Coast is going to bring it and, and Pitt's going to have to be ready to go. Last thing for you, Jeff. Uh, two games, small sample size, but the Oakland Zoo seems to be back too. Uh, they seemed alive and well last night. It was it was awesome. And I talked to one of the Zoo members. This was like it's maybe an hour before the game. And they were filing in, and I said, man, congrats. So I wanted to tell them that Jeff Capel, first thing he said after the first game was how great it was to have the zoo out there and how much he appreciated this. And he's like, oh, man, we're behind this team, and we're going to be packed again tonight. And they were. I mean, you walk out there, and it is completely full on a Friday night against Binghamton. They nearly had 8,000 there overall. Uh, You know, as – as Jeff said pregame, you know, you start winning, they find you. Uh, and, you know, they're finding this team and they're loving this team. It, it, was, a, it was a cool atmosphere. Like, it's, you're, you're start, even in preseason, you're getting that feeling back of, of what it was like in the Peterson Event Center, and it's just awesome. Well, Jeff Hathorne, Sports Director, 93.7 The Fan, appreciate you joining us this morning. Jeff Hathorne also hosts the Jeff Capel Show which is live on the fan periodically throughout basketball season, does a great job covering pit hoops. And we appreciate you making time this morning, Jeff, and your perspective on this hoops team as we are well into pit basketball season. Have a great day, man. Thank you, Pat. Have a great call tonight. Well, we'll miss you up in New York. Thank you. There he goes, Jeff Hathorne. He's just a good dude, man. Love having Jeff on the program. Love calling games with Jeff. He's a pro. We had so much fun calling the – the Sun Bowl last year. Um, we had a bad Sun Bowl a few years before that, but last year's Sun Bowl was a lot of fun, and Jeff had some memorable calls in that game and is a, a huge part of the Pitt family and all he does to cover Pitt sports. Speaking of, of Pitt sports, we'll get back to the gridiron preview this Pitt-Syracuse game next. Everything you need to know about this matchup, whether you're here in New York City or whether you're going to be tuning in uh, to watch this football game, at 3.30, or listening to the radio, which I would recommend for Bill Hillgrove, myself, and Larry Richard. More on this game, detail on this matchup. Panthers Insider rolls on next on 93.7, The Fan. Pitt Syracuse, 100th anniversary. 100 years since 1923, Pitt Syracuse faced off at Yankee Stadium. The Orange won that matchup 3-0. We'll see how the verdict is rendered today, 100 years later, at Yankee Stadium, Pitt and Syracuse. Kicks off at 3.30, live on 93.7 The Fan, pregame at 1.30, Panther preview at 12.30. Bill Hillgrove with the call. Yours truly riding sidecar, Pat Bostick, Larry Richard, and Doran Dickerson. We'll bring you the coverage for a great matchup. Every year since 1955, Pitt and Syracuse have played. Most of the time under different circumstances, both teams have struggled this season. The Panthers sitting at 2-7, and seven, not a record they expected nor do they like. In Syracuse, another year, another fast start, and a tough middle of the year. Four wins to start the year, 4-0 on the fringe of the top 25, five consecutive losses. Let's take a look at the Orange and start on offense. They struggled up front, a lot of injuries. Sounds familiar for Panther fans. If you look at their forward wall, they uh, have had a lot of different combinations. A lot of transfers in that in that group, some community college, junior college type transfers. They want to run the football offensively. I think that's how they've tried to 
to deal with and remedy their struggles in pass protection and throwing the football. And LaQuinn Allen, their, their sophomore tailback, six foot, 195 pounds, a New Jersey native, has really run the ball well. He's averaged five yards a carry. Uh, he's got seven touchdowns rushing. They'll throw him the ball a lot uh, in the flat, in the screen game. He's got a, a receiving touchdown on the season. He's a guy to keep an eye on, number one, LaQuinn Allen. They're going to want to try to get him going. Uh, and obviously, this is a pit defense, fifth in the conference against the rush. Syracuse, ninth in the conference rushing the football. Something's got to give in that matchup. Um, and the Panthers need to try to make Syracuse one-dimensional because they've really struggled to throw the football consistently. Curious to see who the quarterback's going to be for the Orange today. Garrett Schrader did not play against BC. There's been uh, some conversation about him being out for the remainder of the season. Carlos Del Rio Wilson, the Florida transfer, who the Panthers saw at Ackershire Stadium a year ago, played against BC last Friday night, went 7-17 through four interceptions against the Boston College Eagles uh, and was banged up late in that game. So behind him, Luke McPhail is a redshirt sophomore. And then you got a true freshman uh, behind him there. So um, be interesting to see who trots out there for pregame warm-ups in Yankee Stadium and who will be under center for Syracuse as they look to, to get things going offensively. Uh, but either way, whether it's Schrader or Del Rio Wilson, you're going to see them be part of the run game. Panthers have to account for them. And if they can get them behind the sticks and off schedule, I'd really like the Panthers to have a chance to, to wreak some havoc in the backfield and take the ball away today, as this is a Syracuse offense that has really been stuck in, in neutral, if not almost reverse, now for five consecutive weeks. If you flip over defensively, this is where I think Syracuse under Dino Babers has always been consistently difficult to play against. Uh, they, they play a very, almost a, a hybrid amoeba type of defense. It's a 3-3-5. It's a stacked defense. They've got a rover in the middle, Justin Barron, uh, number eight, uh, who has done a lot. He had a tack, five tackles, a forced fumble, two pass breakups against Boston College. Christian Veyer is going to have to be aware uh, of where number eight Barron is. He's long at 6'4", 231. This guy's an NFL-type safety look and he'll play in the box a lot almost as a linebacker but also can drop in coverage uh, and play the middle of the field so uh, very interesting defense a lot of movement up front which the Panthers have struggled with identification and trying to get a bead on what they're doing uh, defensively I think this whole defense starts with and really can be it's personified by their nose tackle number zero Kevin Darton uh, Kevon Darton 5'11 271 fire plug he's going to line up head up most of the day on Terrence Moore, the Panthers center. And you look at the leverage difference, so you got 6'5", 305 against 5'11", 271. So obviously the low man tends to win. Terrence Moore's going to have to dip down and get underneath the pads of Kevon Darton, who's uh, really done a nice job in this defense for two years. And I think he is the – if he's able to be disruptive, this whole defense feeds off. And they are always moving pre and post snap. So you've got to be smart in identification of you know, who are the four down because they only have three down linemen, but they've got a typical uh, kind of rush end, uh, Leon, Leon Lowry at 6'4", 240, who's more of a rush guy that will play more of a DN position. Uh, but this, this defense starts up front. It starts with disruption, play a myriad of different coverages in the back end, anything from two deep zone to, to cover zero. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Frank Sigdetti Jr. and this offense deploy things today because I think there's some things you can do formationally and otherwise with motions and shifts that can get Syracuse, because they're so complex in what they do, you get them out of position and you've got a chance to pop some home run balls. 
if I had to boil this matchup down, it's going to come down to the team that makes more explosive plays. And what makes me feel good, provided the Panthers don't fumble the ball on the one-yard line, um, is the Panthers have made some explosive games uh, plays in the passing game the last four weeks. And a big part of that has been Bub Means. He really has come on. He really is playing at a high level. Jaden Bellamy, the Notre Dame transfer, is, is coming back. He's a redshirt freshman, expected to return today. See him match up, either him or Isaiah Johnson, a Dartmouth transfer, with Bub Means. I think the Panthers got a chance to, to not only run the football consistently, but set up those deep play action shots and hit some home run balls today. And I think if they do that, they have the better offense in this game, and that's what it will come down to. Scrappy defenses that find a way to make plays, but it's going to come down to who makes the big plays and who avoids the big mistake. So it should be a classic Pitt-Syracuse matchup. A defensive battle it could be, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers catch their stride offensively. Big plays aren't a huge part of that. Looking forward to it. Calling a game in Yankee Stadium. That's a bucket lister. And doing it with my partner, Bill Hillgrove. We'll be on the pregame on the air at 1.30. It's been fun. Panthers Insiders is always fun. It's even better coming to you from New York City and on a football game day. We'll be live from Yankee Stadium here in a few hours. Have a great Saturday. Hopefully the Panthers get a win. And as always, hail to Pitt.